You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay. Got that diesel flowing this morning, ready to talk ball with all you guys and gals. Appreciate y'all swinging through. Tim, how's your morning been, bud? Doing great, man. Got that diesel in my cup, fired up, ready to go. It's a green and gold Friday. Ready to talk some ball, Clayton. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, man. Like I was telling Tim offline, guys, I get up about two hours earlier than we're going to go live because I don't like to be rushed. I'm a morning person. Two hours early, ready to roll, had a couple cups of coffee, hanging out. Next thing I know, I'm running late. (laughs) It's just funny how that happens. So uh, thank God we did get up earlier. We uh, we maybe maybe had to uh, set the time back a little bit. But want to give a shout-out to everybody in the chat. Appreciate y'all swinging through. We got Nick McSwain, Cheesehead Murph. Eric Sutherland, Derek K, uh, full house in here, man. Good to see you guys in here chatting it up. We got Carson Caldwell in the house. What's up, man? Chad Inc. up in here. Brent X and Jeff up in here as well. Hope you guys are doing really, really good. Um, we're just going to kind of talk about the new playoff uh, scenario, I guess, if you will. We'll just kind of hit on the standings. We won't get too deep into the probabilities until some of that stuff gets uh, leaked out later tonight. Um, of course, if you guys know the probabilities, feel free to post them in the chat, and we'll chat about them for sure. But obviously a big game last night, Tim, as the uh, Cowboys hosted the Seahawks, the Seahawks ahead of us in the standings. We were all Cowboys fans last night, of course. I know some people had to take some nausea medicine to get through the game so they could root for the Cowboys. But here we are. Bang, here's just the uh, the results from the game. I think anything that uh, – you know, everything that we've needed to happen up to this point, Tim, has pretty much happened, man, which is absolutely awesome. Um, so the Cowboys come away with a big win, 41-35 to over the Seahawks. One of the better games this year to watch. It was absolutely awesome. Um, you know, just looking at the box score here, uh, you know, when you look at the scoring, first of all, you know, Dallas jumped up to a 10 to 7 lead at the end of the first quarter. And then, you know, Seattle, of course, roared back, scored 14 points in the second quarter. So it was uh, essentially 21 to 20 going into halftime. Both teams scored seven points in the third. And then, of course, Dallas finished strong when they needed it, uh, outscoring the Seahawks in the fourth quarter, 14 to 7. Dak Prescott with another great game. To me, he's got to be the front runner for MVP, in my opinion. But he went 29 of 41, 299 yards. Uh, with three touchdowns, no picks, so a passer rating of 115.8. 
or uh, uh, whichever rating that is. I get the there, yeah. There's the QBR. The QBR was seventy five. Point zero. The rating was 115.8. Of course, Tony Pollard got 20 carries. This is a perfect example of what we talk about, Tim, how even though you might not be getting the yards you're wanting on the ground, just you forcing the defense to be aware of the running game really, really makes a big difference. But he got the ball 20 times for 68 yards, only 3.4 yards a pop. Of course, had a touchdown there as well. And then uh, C.D. Lamb. Definitely the player of the game for the Cowboys, in my opinion, if it's not Dak. Um, 12 catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. They just kept hammering that out route to him all night long. They're tied in. Jake Ferguson stepped up big time. Six catches for 77 yards and a tutter. Uh, Brandon Cooks had a touchdown as well. DK Metcalf on the other side, though. My goodness, man. Six grabs, 134 yards, and three touchdowns, Tim. He was an absolute monster. I know we were texting each other back and forth during this game, and what was your takeaway from that game? I mean, you know, Dallas's defense has been great all year. The fact that Seattle hung 35 points on them makes you think, okay, is that defense a little fraudulent? But then you look up and go, well, the offense bounced right back and scored 41 points to get the win, man. I mean, they, they got to be one of the favorites this year, right? I think so. And, um, you know, I think uh, Pete Carroll and the and the Seahawks did their best to give uh, Dan Quinn his, a run for his money, and it showed. And, uh, you know, they went to their playmakers. Um, you know, Tyler Lockett had some – some contributions as well. Um, yeah, that was, I didn't, I didn't see the entire game. I mean, we were just wrapping up and I kind of caught little bits and pieces, but man, towards the end there, I thought, thought the, I thought the Cowboys were going to blow it, man. They just needed a first down and we're throwing fades to the back corner of the end zone on, on third and two, <laughs> instead of, instead of taking the three, you know, I got a little, a little nervous. I felt like Seattle never should have had that ball back at the end. But, um, hey, they got out of there with the dub. I'll take it, right? Yeah, no doubt about it, man. It's big, big win for the Packers. It sounds silly saying that. But, man, it's just like everything that could have went right has gone right up to this point for the Packers. And that's what gives us a little bit of flexibility with this Kansas City game. Look, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they win more than anybody, right? But – in a, from a realistic standpoint, I don't think anyone picked them to beat the Chiefs going into this season, um, and they darn sure wasn't picking them after you know we kind of hit this shaky ground early in the year. So it's just so cool to see uh, other teams helping out for sure. But when we look at the standings now, this is kind of how it sits. Obviously, the Eagles in the one spot at ten and one, and you got the Niners at eight and three, Lions at eight and three, Falcons at five and six, Cowboys at nine and three. And then you got the Vikings at six and six, Seahawks at six and six, and then the Packers, Rams, and Saints all at five and six. Of course, us having a tiebreaker over the Rams and the Saints. So when you look at it, of course, the, the big thing that's going to come into play is we want the Falcons, obviously. We want the Falcons to win the South. That's that's what we're kind of rooting for for the rest of the season because we have the tiebreaker over the Saints and the Falcons have the tiebreaker over us. Um, when you look at the Vikings and the Seahawks sitting at six and six, we're just a half a game back. We play the Vikings again, so we can kind of control our own destiny there, obviously. And then with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, we don't play them, but you know they they play in kind of that, that division. I think they've got the 49ers again, if I remember correctly. Um, I need to get Omer to update this for us, but let's take a quick look at this. Um, let's see. So with the Seahawks, they just played Dallas. Yeah, they go at San Fran, then they got Philly, then they go to Tennessee, they got Pittsburgh at home, and then at Arizona. There's three of those games right there. They're most likely going to lose, in my opinion. But uh, it's going to be eager to. I'm going to be very, very eager to see how that plays out. But uh, anything stick out to you with the standings or this uh, this current playoff picture right now? I mean, clearly it looks like Seattle's got the the toughest ride here. They got the toughest schedule. Um, yeah, 
looking just looking at what Omar Omar's got up here for us. Um, but hey, it's it's funny. We were just saying, you know, what a difference a few weeks can make in this league. Things can change pretty quickly. Um, I always say, you know, just win, just just win, and your 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 problems go away, right? You just keep winning ball games. Control what you can control. You know, we got a lot of help from from everywhere we needed it. Um, so let's get the dub on uh, on Sunday night, man. Definitely. She's her. She's had Murph in the chat says I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> uh, Carson says two more sleeps. Good morning, Chad. Glad to have you in here, buddy. Um, let's see what Brent X says here. He says one thing people aren't talking about or I've missed it. Jordan's running ability against the Chiefs pressures is going to be the difference maker rushing over 60 yards. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one way you can beat the blitz, right? You just got to be careful because, you know, Spags is one of the most uh, one of the most seasoned defensive coordinators, you know, in, in the game today. They can also kind of um, manufacture a little a little decoy there, a little trap, if you will, right? Throw a little spy on the backside of a blitz, and uh, you get him leaking out the backside. Next thing you know, you got a defender waiting there. Now, if they do all these exotic things we're talking about, Brent, and I think that's a great observation that you're making there. I think his ability to extend the play is going to be huge. But you know, if they do try to create all of this exotic pressure that we're talking about. The key is going to be getting open early, right? And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. The key is going to be uh, breaking those routes off early, giving Jordan Love those hots, and and also just being able to beat your guy one-on-one, especially with how much man coverage they run and how effective they are at running it for sure. Um, let's see here. Uh, Carson in the chat said, I'm not a morning person. I'm I actively pouring my coffee as we speak. Get that diesel in you, man. You'll be just fine, I promise you. Um, let's see here. We got Dave in the chat. What's up, Dave? He says, good morning, Clay and Tim. Good to see you, Dave. Appreciate you swinging through, buddy. Um, all right, let's do this. We got – well, shoot, we already got questions in here, Tim. I'm going to try to stay organized. Let's see here. Lucky in the chat says, so if Detroit beats the Saints, that helps the Packers. But if the Lions lose, that also helps the Packers. I'm telling you, man, God's moving in a mysterious way. Lucky, it's a win-win all the way around. Nah, let's, let's kind of talk about that. That's a good question. I haven't looked at it from that angle. Um, so – if you look at both Detroit and the Saints, obviously, I don't think anybody is expecting us to to catch Detroit in the North. I'm not saying it's not you know statistically possible, Tim, but am I wrong in that? Do you, do you agree? It's like okay, the, winning the NFC North this year, I kind of feel like it's pretty much off the table. Or am I being too negative there? No, I think that's that's pretty accurate. We've actually been saying that for a while now. You know, we kind of figured that much. Although mathematically, I guess it's not out of the realm of possibility. Correct. There's, I mean, they could drop a bunch of games. We could win out. Um, I'm more interested in leapfrogging, leapfrogging the uh, the Vikings. You know, I think I think that is a little bit more realistic of a possibility than sneaking up and stealing the division. Um, but just how I'm looking at it. Yeah. So to to answer your question there, um, that game against Detroit this week. Yeah, I'm 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 pulling for Detroit. You know, I want to see the Saints get knocked on down. I feel like that's our better path. Um, And when you, you know, going back to what you're saying with Minnesota there too, Tim, um, you know, they got Chicago should be, I say it should be an easy, well, they just beat, they just lost to Chicago. I apologize. So they got Vegas. I thought they played Chicago again, but they've already got it in. They go at Vegas. Um, I feel pretty good about that. Vegas has been playing a little bit better. You know, obviously they hit a buzzsaw with the Chiefs, but they've been playing a little bit better since they, uh, you know, ran a, Josh McDaniel out of town. Um, when you've got uh, at Cincy, Cincy's playing with a backup quarterback. Minnesota should probably win that one, in my opinion. Then you got Detroit at home. I think Detroit wins that pretty handily. 
And of course, we got the Packers and they go back to Detroit. I mean, there's no reason to think that the Vikings are going to beat Detroit, right? I mean, the way they're banged up and, and you know, obviously Josh Dobbs has kind of come back down to earth. He had a, a nice little hot streak when he first got into town. Um, I feel real comfortable there saying they'll only win two of those last five. But, uh, I mean, you never know. But is that kind of how you see Minnesota too? Or do you, do you think they may be, uh, may, maybe split with Detroit? Yeah, I don't, you know, that's a possibility, right? We talk about that, how hard it is to win, you know, both of those games in your in your double matchups there in the division. Um, as you see, we've uh, so far been, you know, we split with Detroit. Um, you know, hopefully we split with Minnesota, get that win too here. Um, you know, it's interesting how the, the schedule uh, makers really put this season together if you look at it. Um, some of these, uh, you know, rounding the turn and finishing the second half of the season, a lot of divisional games, um, a lot of conference games. I believe our after after uh, Sunday night, we only play NFC teams the rest of the season, if I'm correct. Um, so, you know, it's just they, they do this because they want this drama, right? You want to create oh, the, absolutely, the yeah. end of the year drama. And, and um, yeah, I mean, looking at, yeah, Minnesota's got to play. I mean, look at that, three divisional games um, to wrap up their season. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Detroit getting wins, you know, like you said, isn't going to really affect us because unless they can help us with the saints, but you know, they're probably going to win the division this year and that's fine. Um, you know, let them win something for a change that that's good for them. Uh, we, we are just as much in the mix and that's all that matters. You know, I, I really think the, uh, this last push is going to really tell us, uh, what this team's all about and what we have to look forward to, you know, moving ahead here. But, um, you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds with the matchups because we've seen things turn on a dime in this league. And uh, we don't want to find ourselves in a position where we're, you know, expecting other teams to help us. We need to focus on what we can control and that's our matchups every week. Right. Yeah. That's pretty much all you can do. You know, there's no doubt about that. Brent X says Detroit has the point differential tiebreaker. So if we have the same record, they win the division, I believe. Um, yeah, that, that sounds about right when it comes to the division. I know when it comes to the conference tiebreakers, if I understood correctly, it's head-to-head then conference record. Uh, but that's probably right when it comes to division. That, that would make the most sense for me, too. And, and the tiebreakers get a little bit a little bit tough. It's, uh, it's one of those things that it's kind of like the draft, Tim. I don't like to spend a whole lot of time scouting players because you waste a ton of time and the Packers don't even draft them, right? I like to look at the overall picture, and then once they draft their guy, now let's deep dive because now it actually matters. It's kind of the same way with some of the points or some of the uh, tiebreakers in the NFL. I get, you know, get down to the wire, and it's like, okay, now that it applies, now let's take the time to study this trigonometry and figure out exactly what needs to happen. <laughs> but, exactly. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just such a – they've done such a good job with their business model and uh, and putting this together in the NFL to, to create the parity and, and all that. But – uh. Um, Omer in the chat says we can win the division if we win five to six games and the Lions only win two. You're right. We can. You're exactly right. Omer, nobody's saying it isn't possible, buddy. And we appreciate you being positive. That's for sure. Uh, there's nothing I would love more than Detroit to just absolutely collapse. You know, last last year they got hot at the last second and ended our season. Right. Ended our, our whole year. How cool would it be to see them collapse and somehow we come back? And uh, and win the NFC North. That would be awesome. I just don't see it. My question to you, Omer, would be: Would you put money on it? Right. That's how I always look at stuff. <laughs> would you bet the farm on them winning the division? That that should probably be my should probably be my opinion on whether or not we think they actually would. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely possible. There's no doubt. 
Brent X says, I'm personally rooting for Detroit to beat Minnesota twice. Absolutely. That's our best shot at getting into the playoffs. So if you what you don't want to happen to him is get in a situation where, okay, yeah, we're rooting for Minnesota to beat Detroit so we could possibly win the North. And then you turn around and Minnesota win win both of those games. And uh, now you're out of the playoffs somehow, some way. That would absolutely suck. Yeah, no fun at all. And, you know, Justin Jefferson coming back into the mix, um, certainly going to help the the Vikings. So, yeah. And like uh, Lorenzo, what a cool name, man. Lorenzo Delgado, like he said here in the chat, um, it depends how good Dobbs connects with Jefferson being back because it sounds like after their bye, uh, Justin Jefferson will be back. And, and you're right there. It's definitely not going to hurt. I mean, you're talking about arguably the best receiver in the game when he's healthy, definitely a top three receiver. It's just, you know, a lot of that's timing too, right? You know, Tay Adams did great when he went to Vegas, right? He's still continuing to play well. But I think we would all agree he's not the same exact player as when, when he was with Aaron Rodgers and vice versa. If you ain't got a quarterback that can thread the needle when you got all that attention on a receiver – um, it, it makes it a lot a lot more difficult, that's for sure. And, and I'm not trying to dog Dobbs. You know, he went from everybody's darling to in the doghouse. But uh, he just kind of came back down to earth because there's tape on him now, right? There's no doubt. Eric Sutherland in the chat says, I want the Lions to win the division so I can watch their fans crumble when they lose in the first round. <laughs> Look at you letting it build up, my man. That's what I'm talking about. And then, of course, Lucky in here, he just got a, just a real quick comment he wants me to hit on here. I believe what he was trying to say was 65%. Yes. <laughs> Appreciate that, Lucky. Need someone to rekindle that every uh every episode. Doug, a member of the PTA Posse, said the Madden simulation in the week's game has the Packers beaten the Chiefs. It also showed the coaches on the sidelines in short sleeves. So consider that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's all we need to say. That sums it up right there, right? Exactly. I'm not going to put too much it. stock into that one. <laughs> <laughs> Great observation, Doug. We appreciate you, buddy. All right, let's move on to the next thing we wanted to talk about here and hit on. Appreciate everybody in the chat, man. This is awesome. Appreciate y'all swinging through. Um, so when we're talking offense, Tim, um, Steno actually met with the media, and I believe it was Ryan Wood tweeted this out. He said, Adam Stenovich on Packers wide receiver's job in the passing game against the Chiefs' blitz-happy defense. Uh, you, quote, you have to get open fast. That's the biggest thing. You can't take your time out there. You have to get open quick because those guys are going after the quarterback. So we kind of talked about that short passing game, Tim. I think it's something that's going to be very, very important. Um, you know, one of the things that I think would give them a, a big bump, a big boost, is if Tay Wicks can play. And it's just amazing that we're talking about Tay Wicks so much, right, as a rookie. But he, he in my opinion, has the best release package of, of every – uh, wide receiver on the Packers roster. Uh, he, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs, you know, they're, it's pretty neck and neck. It's pretty close. But if you had to give me one guy and say, hey, you got one guy to beat to beat Jam, you know, to beat uh, press coverage, it would be Tay Wicks. His release package is just – it's really, really solid, especially for such a young receiver. So um, Ryan Wood tweeted this out just the other day. He said, before his concussion, Dontavian Wicks was playing like, wasn't playing like a fifth-round rookie. Now that he's back, Wicks' releases – playmaking after the catch, and most impressively, his savvy finding openings against zone are skills the Packers must keep on the field. So taking the conjunction, putting the conjunction here, Tim, with what one of the listeners said just earlier in this show, I can't remember who it was, when they said, you know, I think we're underestimating Love's ability to scramble and run the ball, right? Imagine Love having to create that time, right, in the whether it's in the pocket or outside of the pocket. You need someone like Tay Wicks because – 
you know, his ability to find the soft spots in the zone coverage and do it so fluidly, it's it's really remarkable. His release package along with that is why he should be starting, basically why we should be in 11 personnel as much as possible. Um, I'm not saying he should start over uh, over Watson, Dobbs, or Reed, but I, the fact that we're in 12 as much as we are limits the rotational aspect of Tay Wicks getting on the field, obviously. So I think it would be really, really wise to have us in 11 personnel as much as possible. And uh, on top of that, you know, his ability to beat this zone, because like we talked about, yes, they run they run a whole lot of man coverage, but when you look at their zone, they're in zone 48% of the time. They run man 34% of the time. So when you look at it from that perspective, Tim, they're going to be in zone quite a bit, right? Um, almost half of the snaps, most likely. So with that, um, Tay Wicks, man, being healthy is going to be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Can you pull that that up again, those numbers real quick? Because we yeah, were breaking down uh, middle field close, middle field open, right? So mm-hmm. middle field open coverage, a.k.a. the two on the shelf, right? The, the two right. shell or the, the zone. That's Tay Wicks' bread and butter all day, right? Get in there and sit down and let, let Jordan Love hit him in space. Um, just like we talked about. So, yeah, he, he will definitely be an X factor if he's out there and um, looking forward to watching him. You know, I, I still think, uh, you know, going back to the Lions game too. you know, keep our eyes open for Malik Heath. Malik Heath can creep in there and be a contributor as well. Lots to look forward to in this game. Yeah. Hey, Malik Heath, man, he he really stood out in that game. And I wasn't as excited about Malik Heath as, as most. Right. I'm like, OK, look, he, he had a good preseason. He had a good offseason. I got you. But, man. Four targets, four catches, only five snaps. It's like, get that dude involved more, right? And, again, it screams more 11 personnel. I hope we do that. This was a cool little video the Packers tweeted out. Got the Sunday night football truck in town here, and you see they rolled up right there at Lambeau. Absolutely. Look at that beautiful blue sky yesterday, man. Gorgeous. Sunday night. I love it. Yeah, dude, and that setup they do for football night in America, they set it up right over there at Titletown, don't they? Right in front of the stadium, am I thinking right? Usually, um, it all depends. They have several vehicles, too, where they do in uh, different setups. I I know it's kind of – I don't think it's the same every time they come, but, uh, yeah, they'll definitely be – football night in America crew will be out in full force. I'm not sure where they're going to do their set this time. Maybe I can do a little recon, head over there today. (laughs) <laughs> take a look I, I can tell you where they party after the game though you know i got to hang out with uh some of the crew last year uh when we came up for the game um had a blast hanging out with uh collinsworth and uh rodney harrison and you know jack collinsworth that was that was fun good times good good crew man sunday night football crew is uh some of the best out there we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of my favorite. You know, if someone said, okay, you can only you can only pick one show each week, right? Uh, Fox NFL Sunday is my favorite, hands down. But Sunday Night Football is like, if I want to get a recap of what happened uh, during the week, Football Night in America right before Sunday Night Football is just phenomenal. And they'll, they'll do the Applebee's setup, um, you know, the pregame show. And I'm pretty sure they had it right in front of Titletown, kind of where the stage was, where they played yep. the music, you know, for Titletown. And, you know, the backdrop would be Lambo, which is just so cool. It's so cool. Uh, Carson in the chat says, I don't even think Dobbs uh, – I don't even think Dobbs came back to earth earlier in the year. He was getting nine to 12 targets at times. Now he's getting five to six. There's just too many mouths to feed in this offense, which isn't bad. And, you know, we can come back to him, right, Carson? Eventually that will open back up. And I think you're right. I think they've just put a little bit of attention on him. You know, Um, he's kind of viewed as the Packers number one receiver. Now that Christian Watson had a little bit of a breakout game, let's see if they start trying to bracket him a bit. But when you're an 11, man, you it's 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 hard to bracket anyone. You know, you can fit your run fits when you're facing 12 personnel in your base, right? Um, you can fit your run fits and still do a little bit of bracketing, do a little bit of, hey, let's do a little bit of shadowing him. They're going to have to pick their poison. If you come out in 11 personnel and you got either Reed or Tay Wicks, you know, in the slot, and you're trying to bend the coverage a little bit toward Christian Watson, or if Dobbs gets hot and you're trying to bend it toward Dobbs, Everything underneath should open up, right? I'm expecting to see at least one or two what we refer to as whip routes in this game. So imagine they're playing snugged up, right? And, you know, when Steno talks about you got to get the ball out quick, one of the best ways to do that is obviously a slant route, right? Is is just to kind of a little shake and go, a little slant across the middle. They can take that away by playing inside technique, or if they're playing a little robber, you don't know which one's going to spin, which safety is going to spin, and they can take that inside technique away. But if you're in just blanket man coverage, you're playing press, and you're playing with inside technique, inside leverage to take away that slant, little whip route is kind of a slant and roll it back outside. I'm expecting a couple of those in this game, um, just based off of how both teams play. We've seen the whip uh, all you know all year long. It showed up on several different concepts for sure. We've um, seen that going back since LaFleur got here, right? That was the bread and butter third and short uh, route to Tay Adams a lot of the time. Uh, Cobby used to run those too, right? And and everybody calls them something different. I've heard it called a zag. I've heard it called a whip. I've heard it called a pivot. Then I've heard people say, no, pivot's a passing concept, Clayton. It's not a route. And I'm going, okay. And then I've heard people say, no, the pivot breaks inside. Then I heard someone else say, no, the whip breaks inside. I'm going, there's too many coaching staffs that have way too much ego. Because this, when I get my information, when I have a question, I try to reach out to coaching staffs, right, and say, okay, whether it's high school, college level, whatever, lower level, obviously. I'm not I'm not trying to get over to Nick Saban and go, hey, man, where you go whip route? You know, that's <laughs> not what's going on here. But there, it, it's surprising how many people are accessible if you're just polite and you ask uh, questions that actually mean something rather than, you know, trying to stir stuff up like some of the uh, – I don't want to say media, but some of the people on Twitter try to do. Anyway, um, so that route, though, 
is a staple in the West Coast offense because teams started to take that slant away, which we all knew was the, the bread and butter of the West Coast offense. That's the quick hitter across the middle where Bill Walsh, even with the Cincinnati Bengals back in the day, would would take a three-yard pass and turn it into a 70-yard touchdown, you know, with the yak and all that. So um, let's see here. Uh, Nick McSwain in the chat said, Wicks has second most separation in the league against man. Let's go, dude. Let's go. Got to get him in the lineup. So, so glad he should be healthy. And let's hope that everything checks out there. To the best of my knowledge, it is. And he's going to be ready to go on Sunday for sure. So uh, let's see. Omer in the chat said, Reed is a dog. We already know that. He absolutely is. Absolutely is a, a dog. And that's another way that you can attack this defense when when someone's blitz heavy, uh, Tim. You know, Steno was talking about that. We talked about Tay Wicks creating separation. Another way we can attack it is uh, Paul Brettel tweeted this out. Not Paul Brettel. We're not going to put Paul on the field, right? But he tweeted this out. He said the Packers have given Reed more design touches uh, uh, with six behind the line of scrimmage in the last four games. So in the last four games, he's got touches behind the line of scrimmage, six different touches, uh, where he's averaging 13.8 yards per attempt. Along with getting Reed the ball in space, this can help open up opportunities elsewhere, more from the floor and uh, Coach Vrabel here. So make sure you guys go check that article out. That's over at Packers, uh, PackersWire.com. It was a couple of days ago. Still a great read, though. Still applies for sure. Um, that's something that that we can kind of lean on a little bit too, Tim. You know, uh, get a little jet motion, a little jet sweep, get that flyer on the move, man. I think that could be huge here because you really want to slow down uh, a blitzing defense. That's how you do it. And something else just came to mind too. The Tucker Craft touchdown, right? Why did that work so well? You know, obviously, Aiden Hutchinson was blitzing the quarterback, right? The linebacker dropped into coverage. You just kind of let it go. You really want to isolate yourself in man coverage with one of those backers, with Tucker Craft, or maybe it's Ben Sims, you know, has his little coming out party. Little engage, wait, 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 release. That's another way that you can beat a uh, a blitz-heavy team for sure. It almost acts acts like a screen, and some people get it mixed up and say that's a screen pass. It's only a screen if you got lead blockers, right? It's a leak if you don't have lead blockers. At least that's what I've been explaining. So what do you think about uh, our boy um, Jaden Reed, though, man, with some end around? That would come in handy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Break it out. You know, it's going to take all the all the tools in the toolbox to, to beat the Chiefs. And, um, you know, setting our dynamic playmakers in motion um, or on a leak, like you said, you know, Jaden Reed can get creative, man. You get him with the ball in a little bit of space. He'll find a way. He'll find a lane, streak up the field, 50 yards, you know, and that's what we're talking about. We got to hit on those explosive plays when we have the opportunity. Um, and we got to prepare for both, right? Because we know, yeah, Kansas City will blitz you. They'll send the pressure. Uh, but, you know, it could also just fall back and, uh, you know, make Jordan Love kind of scan that defense and beat us in other ways. So we got to have a twofold approach here uh, and be able to adjust on the fly. And like you said, having a lot of personnel, a lot of dynamic young players is a good problem to have, you know, when you're looking at your depth chart going, gosh, who can we get touches? You know, who, who needs the ball? I mean, you've got a long list and it's going to take, you know, offense by committee and defense by committee to win this, win this game. It's a team game for a reason, but um, you know, Wicks is Wicks and Reed are certainly uh, two of those, you know, young highlights in this offense and both have the ability to just blow this game wide open on any, any play really. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jaden Reed uh, getting that ball out of the backfield um, or even on some of those short slants or crossers that we talked about as well, too. Um, you know, Reed is a yards after the catch monster. So uh, this will be an entertaining game for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, Omer in the chat says Heath and Wicks have proven they uh, they're both excellent blockers. Um, I agree with that. You know, Heath's fun to watch block, man. Again, Emilio talking about him blocking him to the cooler in the preseason. One of my favorite highlights. It's funny. One of the the biggest highlights for me of the year came in the preseason. It's funny how that worked. Eric Sutherland in the chat said, uh, being the youngest team uh, was my biggest worry this year, but now it's the most exciting thing for me. Uh, the future is bright. Go, Pat, go. Yeah, it's funny how it, it changes real quick, right, Eric? Because I was in the same boat. If it doesn't work, we're sitting here going, well, what did you expect? It's the youngest team in the league. If it does work, we're going, man, we're pretty set up for the future, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been an emotional roller coaster all year long, but it, it's looking like Goody hit on some of these picks. And, uh, and, and, you know, if there's one thing we know about Brian Gutekunst and all the way back to Ted Thompson, they know how to draft receivers late in the draft. There's no doubt about that. They know how to, you know, not have to lean on that first round to get the to good players. Uh, Carson in the chat says, Reed, Dobbs, Watson's one heck of a trio, not to mention Wicks and Heath. And then if Musgrave comes back, man, that looks good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to curb the enthusiasm, Carson, for uh, for Musgrave coming back. Like, like Coach LaFleur said, if it's up to Mus, he's coming back, right? But, man, that lacerated kidney, that's some scary stuff, Tim. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, your life is bigger than football. Let's let's yeah. be real here. And, uh, you know, take all the time you need. And, hey, being down a tight end, right, Clayton, that that favors what we want, right? Probably see a little more 11 <laughs> yeah. as, opposed to, uh, as opposed to the 12, right? Right, yeah. You you would rather okay. it be someone else other than Luke Musgrave that's down, but you're exactly right. It, it should trigger more eleven, and I I think there's no coincidence that that's why this offense kind of kind of taken off. You know, you're being forced to stay in eleven a little bit more. Yep. And again, it's not so much that twelve is just absolutely horrible or bad, but when your twelve when your twelve personnel package is all condensed, you know, you're you're basically the defense only has to cover, you know. I don't want to say half the field. That's a bit, a bit, uh, a bit excessive there. I would say you know three quarters of the field. You know, now you got to have time to let other things develop with the strike concept and and all those things. But um, I don't know, man. I just I love eleven personnel. I always look at it from the defense's perspective. If I was the defensive coordinator and they said, "All right, would you rather face condensed twelve or spread 11? I'd be going, "Oh, give give me condensed twelve." You kidding yep. me? Yeah, at least I know where everybody's at. <laughs> I ain't having yep. to go. Hey, he's in a different area code over there. Holy cow. You know, you open yeah, things up, you can, uh, you can really attack the field better. But uh, Steve is real in the chat, says, um, I believe it's awesome that the ball is being passed <clears throat> passed around. It will make it hard for defense to know where the ball is going. I also believe Heath is going to get more, and he's a an awesome run blocker. Um, I think if, if, if there was ever an opportunity for him to earn more, uh, more reps, Tim, it, it came off that Detroit game. I mean, he really stood out, dude. Absolutely. And let's also, while we're praising Malik Heath here, let's not forget about the contributions he makes on special teams as well. I mean, we can run tape. I've seen him laying some dudes out on some of these kicks and punts. So, um, you know, it's really good to see that. And, you know, that dude's got fire to get out on the field, man. And he knows that doing the little blue collar type stuff uh, for this team is the exact way to get those reps and then maximizing the reps that you get. We talked about that, right? You know, the guy, what do you have? F uh, five targets, four catches. Is that what we just ran over? It's like, yeah, he have, he have, no, he, had, uh, Malik Heath only had five snaps. Had oh, five snaps, four targets, four catches. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's my point. That's a dude saying, Hey, if they put me out there, man, I'm catching everything. I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not dropping nothing. I'm catching every ball they hit me on. I'm running these routes properly. And you know, that's great to see. Here's another rookie stepping up. Um, you know, so there's weapons. It's a lot to be excited about. Um, yeah, Doug in the chat here. Great. The wide receivers are great. Turry was number three last year. Last now. Yes. Yep. That was my pick for a breakout player <laughs> of the year preseason was Samari Turry. Um, so a swing and a miss again. Again, hey, admit when we're wrong, right? I was totally wrong. Um, and that's not a knock on Turay. I think it's uh, more of a, you know, tells us a little bit more about the guys that we drafted and brought in here. Um, yeah. Samari Turay is an absolute grinder. That guy worked his butt off in the offseason to get back. And, um, you know, it, it just kind of, I hate the phrase, but we have to use it. It is what it is. You know, there's a lot of young talent on this team. Um you know, Samari Turi was given every opportunity um, out there on the field, especially start at the start of the season. And uh, we've just th- seen guys progress. And I don't know if it's necessarily Turi trending backwards as it is. These young guys are just trending upward, man, with super high ceilings. And we got to get our best out there on the field. So that's uh, no disrespect to Turi, right? But it's just kind of the way this league is. Yeah, definitely. And Doug, thank you so much. He's been a member of the uh, a YouTube member of the PTA Posse for three months now, buddy. Appreciate you supporting the channel. Definitely. Uh, Deb Fish in here says, not knowing if Musgrave is going to make it back this year, do we have any interest in Zach Ertz, who was released yesterday? You know, as soon as he was released, I immediately thought, man, I haven't heard that name in a while. I wonder how Zach's been playing out there with the Cardinals. You know, your immediate impression, and, and many times on Twitter, people are very player-friendly, you know. Um, especially like the the media members who have covered them. They've created a friendship, a working relationship with these players, and they typically – to me it sounds like the the tweets sometimes, the articles is geared around, you know, maybe a fresh start will help Zach Hurts, and and uh, maybe he – you know, maybe Zach Hurts, uh, you know, maybe the team wants to give him an opportunity to do that, this and that. And I think, okay, well, maybe he was playing well and he's just on a bad team. Looking it up here, guys, his PFF grade this year is a 50.8. And he's only had 42 targets. That's uh, or he's had 42 targets. That's 24th most in the league. He's only got one touchdown. That's tied for 20th amongst, uh, I guess, overall lead uh, receptions. He's only got 27. That puts him at 24th. So this has got to be amongst tight ends, I would imagine. And only 187 receiving yards. So I hate to say it, but it seems like uh, Zach Ertz has kind of hit the wall. You know, obviously he was a second round pick in 2013. I was trying to see how old he is. Uh, Thirty-three. So twenty thirteen. Think about that. Yeah, he was drafted and in twenty thirteen. It's wild, man. Time flies. It seems like it was yesterday when he was drafted by the Eagles and Bill Belichick was trying to trade for him and all that. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, Deb, Deb Fish, I, I'm going to say no. Obviously, um, to me, your best shot at having veteran depth at tight end was Mercedes Lewis. You could have got him for pennies on the dollars. And, look, I'm not sitting here trying to knock Goody and say what he should have could I'm just simply saying if Goody wasn't willing to do that for Mercedes Lewis, who everyone agreed was a team leader in the locker room um, and and really great at what he does, you know, uh, if he's not willing to do that, I can't imagine he's going to go out and get a 33-year-old Zach Ertz. He'd probably, cont- probably rather continue to go back to the draft board and say, okay, what other tight ends that we have high draft grade on, okay, where are they at? Okay, they're on this practice squad. Maybe go after them. Or even a, a free agent that's, you know, kind of middle of the road, 26, 27, 28 years old, um, that type of 
path, which we know they worked out some tight ends the other day and brought some guys in. So, uh, yeah, I would say no. Tim, I, I imagine by your reaction, you agree with that? Oh, yeah, that was my gut reaction. You know, youth movement, right? we got a youth movement here in Green Bay. Um, I'm not opposed to the thought of maybe them going out and signing a tight end or something here while we're a little shorthanded. But, yeah, Zach Ertz is not the move that I would make. Um, and that's not a knock on him, but it's, you know, hey, we got to be real. It's not 2015, 2016 Zach Ertz. This is uh, mm-hmm. 2023 Zach Ertz. And there's a reason he was released, right? So, I don't know. I'm sure he'll find work somewhere else. You know, I think someone would probably pick him up. But as far as fitting in in our offense, I don't know. You know, I just don't think that's the move right now. I think we got to stay with the youth we have and um, just go from there. Plus, like we just talked about, right, a little more 11 personnel instead of 12, right? I'll I'll take us being down one, one tight end for now, although it is our best tight end, right? You know, so we want Musgrave back on the field. But I think um, bringing Ertz in at this stage of, the, of his career kind of reeks of, uh, you know, bringing Jimmy Graham here like we saw a few years ago and, I think we'd get kind of the same type of uh, performance, nothing super spectacular, maybe a, maybe a couple tutters, you know, a lot of blocking, um, kind of underwhelming type of performance. So I, I don't think going, uh, going to a veteran tight end in this situation is really the move. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Omer in the chat said, Dylan is also trending positively. What I read, Jair Ford also. Yeah, I would be very surprised if all three of those players aren't on the field. Um on uh, on Sunday night, I think I think we'll we'll see all three of them out there, and AJ Dillon, man, he's uh you know the reason I have been less critical of AJ Dillon, you know when I turn on the tape, I didn't feel like AJ was doing anything special early in the year, but I'm also looking at the running block run blocking going these guys are lost like he has no shot here right, and uh, you know PFF tries to do a good job of differentiating between the two so a player doesn't get graded negatively you know, because something else that happens, although the way their system's set up, it is what it is. You can't, you really can't avoid it. Um, now, what got me over the hump was talking to Mike Wall and him breaking it down and going, Clayton, I mean, yeah, the guy stumbled in the backfield, but look, the hole is already blown up as soon as the ball snapped. Like he's, he's trying, he's looking for a hole and immediately having to adjust before he even has the football. So that's why I kind of backed off and okay, when a former NFL player talks, I'm shutting the hell up and I'm listening, right? That's just, I, I will never understand the people that argue with former NFL players on Twitter as if they understand the game better than them. Right. And I know. But thank you for doing it because it's entertaining for us. No, it absolutely <laughs> is. I'm like, what in the world? I know there was, uh, he'll, he'll remain nameless, but there was a, a podcaster last year that got absolutely roasted by a first ballot Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner, because. He said something, and and these are the type of comment. And listen, I'm not always right. I'm wrong more than I'm right. Okay, I don't want to come across as egotistical, but sometimes I see some of the tweets of of people, and I'm going, you you make fun of people for watching the tape, right? You make fun of people for having any kind of opinion other than what you think is actually happening on the field, and then you just throw your neck out there and and post something about you know whether it's Jordan Love, it was Aaron Rodgers last year. Aaron Rodgers, you know, all of a sudden sucks. Just amazing how he just you know, sucks all of a sudden. Um, ever since he got the jab, all of a sudden he sucks. That, that was remarkable to me. But anyway, um, it, he made this comment, and I was going, how can you watch that play and come away going, yep, that's what happened. And Kurt Warner jumped in those mentions and roasted them. Boy, it was bad. <laughs> and to his, to his credit, 
he did say, you know, well, I'm obviously going to concede to you. So that's the right way to handle it. Like, okay, maybe I'm missing something here, but it's just, it's so refreshing to see people who have been there, done that step in and go, no guys, you're missing it right. Here's what's happening. You know, cause that's how we learn. And that's, uh, that's first and foremost, uh, what's most important to me for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is cool. Lucky in the chat said the Eagles drafted Ertz over Kelsey. Whoo! A lot of people didn't see Travis Kelsey as the uh, as the tight end he was. And if I remember correctly, he came out of Cincy, and that's one of the things that kind of turned them on to Josiah Aguara, them being the Packers, was because you know it was kind of tight end. You Kelsey come out of there. If I remember, if I'm remembering the 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 draft history correctly, I think that's how that happened. Um, but obviously, uh, Kelsey's just one of those guys, man. He's so comfortable. He's got such good balance, got such good spatial awareness. Um, that's the other thing, too, about Kelsey. He's probably – he doesn't have a, a whole lot of good years left in him either. He's he, – you know, tight ends age quit, Tim, you know, other than the just the absolute legends that play for a long time. But um, I can't imagine Kelsey's going to be doing it too much longer at the at the level he is. And now he got all these uh, – how can I say it in a nice way? These distractions in his life, right? Much, I, mean, I don't listen too much Taylor Swift. Uh, I don't either, Jordan. But man, I'll tell you what, I bet Travis is. I bet he's listening to everything she says right now. <laughs> anyway, Nick McSwain in the chat said, What if they drafted Bowers LOL? People would lose it. Man, hey, I would not if wherever they pick in the first round, if Jordan Love is the guy and Brock Bowers out of Georgia, tied in, is on the board right there, and they took him, I'd be like this. And now you can sell me on 12 personnel <laughs> because Rogers right. is going to be a dog. He, I mean, he looks like the real deal. Listen, anybody could bust out. I got you. But everything points to him being the guy. Now, imagine him and Musgrave in 12 personnel. Imagine breaking out a little 13 from time to time like the Chiefs do so often with Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, and Brock Bowers. I'm just, I'm just saying. But we're trending in the wrong direction, the right direction, but the wrong direction to get Brock Bowers, and I'm excited about it, Tim. It's looking like we're going to be picking toward the bottom half of the first round most likely now, which is amazing because just the other day we're going, oh, we got the number six pick. <laughs> just wild out there. Yeah. I'll take it. I'm, I'm on dubs, you know. We're, we're creative enough in the, in the draft. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter where we pick. That would be naive, but – you know, our 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 football minds at twelve sixty five can figure their way through a tricky draft position, um, and we know Goody's not afraid to trade up or down. Uh, we've seen that too. So, but yeah, it'll be real interesting to see uh, what happens. We could end up becoming, you know, tight end you for the NFL here. You know, kind of just like a, you know, just a breeding ground for for big boy tight ends that are versatile. You know. We've, we've seen that, right? You got pass catching tight ends and then you got your down and dirty run blocking tight ends. And then you got your, your Musgraves and your, hopefully your Tucker crafts too, right? Guys that can do it all. Get out there and, you know, block, catch a pass, contribute on special teams. You know, that's what we need. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're talking 12 person that now you went to 13 personal. I'm going, no, back, back to 11. But uh, hey, if we have that, if we have the personnel for that personnel, you're right. Let's do it, right? What yeah. are they going to say? We we trot three big boy tight ends out there, <laughs> like you know, that's a brings new definition to heavy personnel, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. If you guys would hit that like button for us, so other Packer fans can find this YouTube channel and this content, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us this morning. Um, since we were talking tight end, and uh, you know, everybody's already talking Bowers and everything else. I've been very critical of Josiah Aguara and, and kind of looked at it like from the perspective of, listen, he's underperformed. He's not played up to a third-round status. 
Um, I don't know how else to say it other than he's just not performing on the field, right? Now, we've always said he's a, he's a great guy, this and that. One thing I have overlooked, though, about Josiah Aguara is his locker room presence. Tim, this completely caught me out of out of right field. I, I didn't look at Josiah Aguara as this team leader, as kind of the glue in the locker room. Now, he got to learn under Mercedes Lewis, one of the best in the locker room, right? So it kind of makes sense now that I'm, I'm sitting there going, Clayton, you're a moron. Of course, he's a good locker room guy. He, he played behind Mercedes Lewis, got to learn firsthand what it is to be a leader. But Tucker Craft surprised me. Tucker Craft said something in the locker room yesterday. I'm going to play it real quick for you guys. And I thought this was really cool. And it just kind of clicked. I was just like, man, that makes sense while they've got him on the roster, right? He's one of those locker room glue guys. But I want to hit on it and get your take real quick here, Tim. But here is Tucker Craft when he was asked about Josiah Aguara. Who's showing up the earliest? Yeah, you've been all the work that we might not see, but you see in practice. Josiah Aguara beats me to the facility every single day. Um, I've said this before, Joe. Joe's a leader of men. Um, he leads prayer pregame, leads Bible study on Mondays. Um, I go to couples Bible study with him too. Um, Joe, is he's a man of faith. Um, he's a leader of men, and uh, I follow him anywhere. He's a soft-spoken individual, um, but he's, he puts his helmet on. He's a really intense guy, and uh, I respect him immensely. Tim, that dude, and there's some people rolling their eyes, and I get it, man. We can fan how you want to fan, but – Hearing Tucker Craft, Mr. Mr. Frat Boy, right? Mr. Tattoo, Mr. Chugging Beers with David Bakhtiari, talking about the impact that Josiah Aguara's had. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. My dad did tattoos. I grew up in a biker family. My dad was a tattoo artist for 15 years. And believe you me, I talk about daddy sodas way too often, right? So please don't I'm not I'm not standing on a pedestal here going, Tucker Craft needs to clean up his life. I think I think Tucker Craft's a great guy. That really caught me off guard. Like, man, I didn't realize the impact that Josiah Aguara had. And it sounds like you you had a little bit more of a beat on it than me, Tim, early on. But that's pretty cool stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of rooting for Josiah, you know, going into training camp this year because, you know, I thought this this was going to be important to have him around with the young tight ends that we drafted. And now seeing this, it just puts a smile on my face. Um, yeah, I believe Josiah um, DeGuara's father is a uh, is a pastor, um, and uh, you know he grew up in the church. And you know, I'm not. You know what? I'll go ahead and say it. This this um, sounds a lot like number ninety two, man. You know, Reggie White was a was a spiritual leader on the team, and then the minute Reggie put that helmet on and went on onto that field you saw just a ferocious, fearless monster of a football player. And when I hear Tucker Kraft talking about, you know, Josiah DeGuara, I'm, I'm getting that same kind of vibe. You know, he's leading team meetings. He's leading, uh, you know, uh, the, the Bible study with the, with the players who want to take part in that. And that's fine. And Hey, you know, your relationship with God is whatever you want it to be. However Absolutely. you want it to be, um, you know, you need balance in your life. I believe that personally. And, um, you know, yeah, Frat boy Tucker Craft probably benefits from a little bit of uh, Bible boy Josiah DeGuara, right? Let's, uh, let's be real. We can say that. And, hey, if it helps us and it, it helps them and they, they're helping each other, that's fine. We need that stability in, in a young locker room. Um, so, And, you know, honestly, if Josiah DeGuara is not seeing the field much because of, you know, the play on the field, hey, at least he's not one of these guys that, you know, some guys they, they get bumped down the depth chart and they – they disappear off the radar. Yep. So 
Josiah Guara is finding a way to contribute to this team regardless. And, um, you know, if that's being an example, hey, he's beating the he's beating the rookie to the facility every day. Well, what does that mean? That means Tucker Craft's trying to get there earlier. He, the only way he knows he's beat is by getting there as early as he can and realizing he's already beat by by Deguara. So you're you're breeding that developmental mindset in these young players, and it's it's cool to see them uh, them respond. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, we have to learn that we it's okay to separate the football player from the human being, right? Because these guys are human beings first. And uh, seeing this kind of insight just, uh, you know, it does. It makes me happy that we have players like this here in Green Bay. Um, and, you know, DeGuara has been a bit underwhelming this year, but that's okay. You know, that all you can do is improve. And you never know. Maybe it goes the other way around. Maybe some of the younger tight ends kind of, you know, not to say that DeGuara is an old dog, but, you know, maybe him seeing what we got here kind of helps him step his play up too a little bit. Um, yeah. But, you know, we know it's a business. Anyone can be out the door at any time, but. It's refreshing to see that, you know, more leadership coming from places that maybe we didn't expect, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Very well said. Paul Robertson in the chat said, next show, Josiah DeGuara Apology Show. I'm going to have a written statement ready to go, Tim. <laughs> nah, it's – listen, the, the play on the field matters, guys. It's a business first and foremost, obviously, um, on both sides, both the players holding out to get contracts and and obviously the organization being willing to move on from someone that's not producing. We would all agree it's not look good on the field. I'm just saying it was kind of, uh, oh, that makes sense now, why he's, you know, kind of uh, – uh, hasn't been cut on the roster, and obviously he is a leader in the locker room. And I know some people believe that, you know, in the in the Madden approach of, well, this player is an 82 overall, this player is a 79 overall, get rid of the 79, we're better. But you're talking about real human beings, real relationships, real locker room chemistry, and none of that matters until you start losing, right? And one thing we could say about this team, and it's just kind of responding to this in real time, it's just now hitting me. They faced that adversity early on, right? And a lot of people were screaming, fire this guy, fire that guy, trade this guy, trade that guy. We've been as guilty as anyone. You're evaluating the roster from a product standpoint and saying, okay, what needs to change? But when you've got a good cultural base like that in the locker room with people like Josiah Aguara, that's how you hold it together, right? Yeah. I so, think a lot of times, the you know, we as fans, and I, I'll say that collectively, we as fans, like I said, we forget that there's more than, you know, What's on the field, what you're doing as a player is of paramount importance, right? If you're booty cheeks as a player, we're, you know, we don't want to see you on the field. That's how this league is structured, right? But, but to think that that's all that being a player in the NFL or being on a, on a National Football League team is about, that's naive, you know? And coaches and general management does take things like that into consideration, when they're looking at who are they going to keep around? How are we developing our guys for the future? You know, that's a, all sports. You see that guys get to their elder, elder years of their career. And it becomes a little less about the output on the field and a little more about the stability that they create in the locker room when you've got young guys coming up behind them. So, you know, I, I'm going to support Josiah DeGuara being here as long as he's contributing in in positive ways, whether it be on the field, off the field, in between the field. You know, I don't know. I don't I don't understand the hate. It's real easy to sit here on our on our uh, big puffy couches in the comfort of our own home and talk about firing guys and trading guys that literally busted their tails pretty much their entire lives to get there. You know, 
Um, there's a lot that we don't see behind closed doors. We're only going to get these tidbits from the media, the things that the players choose to disclose to us. So, you know, I, I, I'll save my judgment. I'll keep my judgment to myself when it comes to those things. And uh, we'll objectively look at it when we uh, break down the roster after the year, right? <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um yeah, I try to. I need to limit all my judgment to the mirror. To be honest with you, man, I'm I'm such a damn mess that I need to focus on fixing me before I try to fix other people. There ain't no doubt about Amen. that. Amen. Steve is real in the chat. Says, "Don't hate me for saying this, but uh, but I believe Tucker Craft is our Gronkowski. Hate you for saying that, Steve? Are you kidding me? I I pray to sweet baby Jesus that's true. Um, <laughs> the thought of us having a Gronk, someone who's half as good as Gronkowski. I mean, Gronk was. I'll just say it. He's the greatest tight end to ever play the game." There's no doubt in my mind. Um, Tony Gonzalez was great for what he did, but you're not going to find a tight end that was more effective in the passing game while still being uh, probably as much, if not more effective in the running game. That dude could block his arse off, dude. That guy was – I mean, he was – what a blessing it's been to watch football. Think about this. We got to see, you know, Reggie Watt, the Minister of Defense, one of the best guys you'll ever meet, right, one of the best defenders in the history of the game. We got to watch – Brett Favre win, you know, all those MVPs. We got to watch Aaron Rodgers play with Devontae Adams and, you know, the Super Bowl run with Clayton, all these great players, right? But outside of Green Bay, you got to see the greatest head coach in the history of the game in Bill Belichick, the greatest quarterback in the history of the game in Tom Brady, and Rob Gronkowski, the greatest tight end in the history of the game. Like, we've got to see some amazing things happen. And now you're seeing a young Pat Mahomes who's on pace to shatter everything that that Brady did because he's doing he's doing it at such a young age now and he's doing it with his shoulder not the defense you know what I mean because I know many people like to say oh the only reason Belichick had success was because of Tom Brady I challenge you guys to go back and watch those first couple Super Bowls I'm telling you man Tom Brady was not Tom Brady and those defenses were solid at times they would they would kind of dip into the valley, but when the game was on the line, somebody said it the other day. I think it was Michael Lombardi said, "Yeah, I know Tom Brady's the only reason they won those those Super Bowls. I got you, but I'm sorry, I don't remember seeing him out there kicking that field goal in the blizzard. Right? You forget that you had the greatest kicker of all time in Adam Vinatieri in this roster that Belichick had put together. But uh, anyway, I just think it's cool that we got to see so much greatness uh, while watching football. There's no doubt about that. Um, Steve is real trying to get me all fired up here as we get ready to wrap up. He said, I, I would love it if we got Audric Estime running back from Notre Dame. See, you, you're hitting me right here. <laughs> Estime is so much fun to watch, man. He, he's kind of a power back, but he's got that breakaway speed. He's just a good combination. Um, I've gotten excited, Steve, in the past over my Notre Dame fighting Irish running backs, and they've come in the league and just absolutely stunk it up. So I'm trying to the enthusiasm. But, yes, if they draft Audric Estime and they continue that that – that kind of that bond between Notre Dame and Green Bay, which we all know the historical ties there are just immense. Um, I would lose my mind, man, no doubt about that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Carson Caldwell in the chat says, if you look up, quote, faith in football, Josiah DeGuara, he walks through his faith and journey. I'm going to check that out, man. I've got several books that are similar to that, like from Joe Gibbs. I've got one. It's called um, Men of Sunday, I think is what it's called. And it's actually got Aaron Rodgers. Um does a, a small section in it as well where just people, you know, talk about their faith and that type of thing. So, and again, no matter what religion, what belief system you, you operate in, you're welcome on this show. Right. Um, I'm fairly open about mine. I try not to put it in people's faces, but I'm, you know, it's, it's just like what a, a Tony Mandridge said on this show. Like he said, you see so many people going around, they're allowed to voice their opinion. They're allowed to voice their political beliefs and, and their religious beliefs. But me as a Christian, I'm not allowed to talk about it. No. 
So um, everyone's welcome here as long as your religion doesn't uh, condemn other people simply because they disagree with you. That stuff drives me crazy. Like, you know, we can all coexist together no matter what your faith is, no matter what your belief system is. That's just kind of the way I see it. Um, but I'll check out that book for sure, Carson. I appreciate it, man. Uh, Jeff in the chat said, it's no surprise to me to hear the Packers have strong Christian leaders. They have faith in themselves and a higher being. It's evident because of the way they pick themselves up after four losses. Kind of what we were just talking about, Tim. You can tell the locker room is a lot stronger than I expected it to be. And that was after getting rid of one of their emotional leaders in, uh, you know, Russell Douglas, which you guys know, I still disagree with that trade. Uh, I, I keep looking up at this defense going, how good could they be now that they're peaking? If you still have Russell, if you're no one's going to convince me we're better off with Corey Ballantyne over Russell Douglas. It's just not going to happen, <laughs> right? And that's not a shot at Ballantyne. He's a late round pick. It's just so goes out and gets, you know, what was it, an interception and a forced fumble, and then the next game got two interceptions. Like, he's just been on a tear. Uh, it just sucks now because it looks like the Bills might not make the playoffs and the Packers may make the playoffs. That, that kind of sucked for Sewell. But, anyway, appreciate that, though, Jeff. Thank you for the chat, buddy. Yeah. Let's get out of here, Tim. Anything else you want to hit on as we wrap up, man? I um, guess I'll just hit on that. Um, you know, Vince Lombardi went to church every day, you know, every single day, right? not not too far from, from where I live. And uh, still found time to uh, coach a football team, put together a game plan, check in with all his players and their families, make sure that, you know, things were running smooth. And, um, you know, he understood that, you know, winning isn't the only thing or winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. Right. And, you know, football is of paramount importance. But, you know, hey, your faith is your faith and your relationship with God is your relationship with God. Have it however you want it. But I agree. It doesn't surprise me that we have spiritual leaders here um, in Green Bay because that's what this team and this franchise has been about for a long, long time. And, um, you know, it's not I I, I like the word faith, you know, because then it it, kind of just removes the religious connotations from it, because like you said, Clayton, it doesn't matter what your religious alignment is or your religious view is. Or even if you're a person who doesn't have one, that's fine. You know, faith is a powerful thing. Faith in each other, faith in your teammates, faith in your staff. You know, whether or not you uh, agree with where you get it from, it's irrelevant. So um, I think there is a big part of that here ingrained in who we are in, in uh, as a Green Bay Packers organization. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to hang around for people that are hating on uh, spiritual leadership in the locker room. Uh, got no place for it. Um, and we can point through this league and show you all the dumpster fire teams that don't have that in their locker room. And uh, you see what they look like on and off the field. So I'll, I'll take what we have here, um, you know, and Josiah DeGuara is welcome here as long as uh, there's a spot for him on the roster. And um, I'm sure he'll find a find a way to play up or down that depth chart at some point. Um, if not, then, hey, let him be the guy that's doing what he's doing right now because there's other ways to contribute on a team. And um, I don't know. I'm just – to me, it's refreshing. we got a young squad, and uh, these guys could uh, totally have their priorities jacked up, and they don't, you know. It's cool to be young and have fun and party and celebrate and all of that, but, you know, having a leader like Josiah DeGuara in there, having a leader that can, you know, bring you back down to earth and, you know, I, I like it. So I support it, man. That's all I'll say. Definitely. Nate McSwain in the chat said, we'll end it with this. He said, I'm not religious, but I hate when people knock other people for their beliefs. You hit the nail on the head, man. That's how I feel. Um, I, I personally love learning about, like, I, you know, I've, I've met people who have different faiths, obviously, um, and, you know, different religion. 
And the first thing I try to do is sit down and go, Hey man, tell me about, tell me about yours. You know, like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, I don't know. It, it, it is remarkable though, how many people, especially on Twitter, the toxicity that is Twitter will just openly bash that stuff, openly bash it. And their profile picture is Vince Lombardi. And I'm going, you do know that you should, do y'all want to tell them? Never mind. Let's just, anyway. And, and he was as open as they were, you know, as, as anyone was, I should say. And, uh, you know, it was God family and football, right? God family and the Green Bay Packers is what he would say. So you're muted, Tim. Sorry. Yeah. In that order, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But again, it, you know, people, they overlook that stuff and it cracks me up. And, you know, they're just going on their little tirade about how they, they hate, you know, that type of stuff. And and I'm just like, man, you have no clue. You're so ignorant. And that's not an insult. You know, ignorant is, oh, he's stupid. No, I'm saying like you, you don't you literally know don't you understand. Know. Yeah. You don't understand what that person stood for or stands for. Right. And, and some of the things that are right in front of our face with the founding of our country and the things that we you know benefit from on a daily basis, you know, with our constitutional rights and everything. But uh, again, I digress. Uh, this has been a good conversation, man. I love our listeners. You guys are absolutely awesome. I appreciate y'all hanging out um, in here with uh, with the crew. It's been a good episode. I love Good Morning Lambo, man. It's becoming my favorite, Tim. It's uh, mm-hmm. you know I love PTA live at night, but I'm a morning guy. I love getting up and just chatting it up with you guys. So I really appreciate your time. You got anything else, Tim? No, I'm slowly becoming a morning person, Clayton. Thanks. Um, oh, you man. know, get up and get like 70 ounces of that diesel going. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then about one o'clock in the afternoon, you get that crash. Go take that Papaw nap, right? Yeah, Papaw Bailey down here on the couch. Mandy calls me Papaw Bailey when I'm behind the wheel. <laughs> I used to be the dude. I used to have a Mustang, and I was all you know in a hurry to get everywhere. And as I've gotten older, I'm just like I'm the dude that you know five over the limit. That's all I'll do. Yeah, she's like all right, Papaw Bailey, and we got the app you know that shows each other where we're at at all times in case you know. I'm very very uh, protective. Um, yeah probably caught on to that i'm a little bit high strung so we like to know you know if for some reason we can't get a hold of each other okay where was our last location i'm getting i'm getting geared up i'm ready to go you know what i mean yeah buddy but uh yeah she uh so many times i click on her and i'll see 88 on her mile per hour on the app i'm going girl what are you doing shut up i'm in a hurry all right i got you so anyway um hey now no mustang slander all right we've already started a war in here we're getting out (laughs) out with us um uh, we'll be back, let's see, for PTA Live tonight at uh, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, giving you guys all the up-to-date information. Obviously, uh, we should get another injury report. I believe that'll be the final one, right, Tim, if I remember correctly? Yeah, so it's it's Friday already. Yep, should so, be, and then uh, we play the waiting game for the actives, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us here in the chat. You guys were awesome. Uh, really, really appreciate Uh, everyone listening to this on the pod thank you for making us a part of your day as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go